Hello and welcome to another episode of Cast It Into the Fire. Today we're starting off the A Song of Ice and Fire book series by George R. R. Martin. Um, we're going through it chapter by chapter, beginning with the first ch- um, book, A Game of Thrones. And uh, Bill's on with me and uh, we're going to... We're going to go over the prologue, which is told from the point of view of a young uh, man at the Night's Watch named Will. So they're they're out in the wilderness um, on a ranging, and they're in the woods, it's cold. And um, they're being led by a man named Sir Sir Waymar Royce, and we also have with them a old veteran named Garrett, and he's like about forty, and he's uh, missing his ears from frostbite, and. Um, they discovered some um, dead wildlings and they don't know what happened with them. Alright, so one of the things to note is that this takes place mostly from the viewpoint of somebody named Will. We don't really get... Do we get ever get any other names for them? Just Will and Garrett, right? Will, Garrett, and Sir... Yeah, Sir, Sir Royce. Ri- yeah, yes. he's the only one who's a Sir as far as I know. And he's the one who's leading their little expedition. And, but it changes. The, you it think opens. he might be leading his ex, but this expedition because he's a sir more than any. Uh... Yeah, well, you know, uh, he he has some experience. He's been on a bunch of rangings before, but. He... Yeah, it seems like both Will and Garrett have more experience than he does. And, um, okay, so it. One of the things I noticed is that the point of view shifts. It starts out immediately from Garrett, then it shifts to Waymar, and then it shifts to Will. And honestly, Will seems to have most of the point of view of this. That's he's, because it's his point of view chapter. Yeah, now what... he he He's how old in this, sir? Um... I don't think they even say... Yeah, I don't think they do say, but he. I always get he, the impression that he's sort of young, but not as. I feel it seems like uh, that uh, Sir Royce is the uh, youngest of them, or something like that. I think Will's least. the youngest. But in Sir, the Sir in the Royce, TV show, he's played by a guy who looks like he's in his like early twenties. Yeah. Yeah, you sort of get the impression that he's young either way. Like I could see that being the case, but Sir Royce, as you said, he seems like the reason he's the leader is. Because he's the, uh... Sir Royce was 18. He's the sir. Okay, so I wasn't too far off with that. And it goes into quite a bit of detail about how nice and fancy his armor and cloak and moleskin gloves. And he's got a... He's got an expensive horse. He's got a... Yeah, they go into... A Destrio. That's a very expensive horse. Well, they also Um, go into the fact that, like, he's really well equipped in general. Like, it's not just supposed to be fancy. It's supposed to be, like... Really serious business. But like, not everyone in the Night's Watch fight. gets stuff like that, so... Yeah, uh, yeah he's rich, I guess. He's rich, and 
it's it's not all equal in the Night's Watch. They, they, they'll provide stuff for somebody who joins and needs it, but you know, it sounds like he's rich, he brought his own stuff. But okay, the thing is that the Night's Watch doesn't seem egalitarian in the first place. He seems to be their commander. He's a sir, whatever that means, because of course George R. R. Martin has to spell it S-E-R. And, you know, it's the same thing, it's a knight. I know it is, but it's the thing. <laughs> it's just them, you know, it's... Yeah, anyway. Um. So anyway, they, they're beyond... They're out beyond the wall ranging and they found some dead wildlings and the wildlings are the the people who live beyond the wall and they're yeah they're the ones that they're actually defending against at I least mean, officially well i don't know it seems like it what officially is is like varies on who it seems like well later on it seems like you know officially they're supposed to defend against everything including the others but the wildlings are just sort of there. They're the immediate threat. They're just there, and they're the savage people beyond the wall. Um, so anyway, yeah, they come across the dead wildlings, and... Both Will and Garrett are getting pretty anxious, and uh, Will's probably just a boy, but... Garrett is the forty-year-old veteran. If he's, if he's worried, then there's there's something to actually be concerned about. Yeah. And it's bitter cold. And. Isn't this at the point where they find that the dead wildlings aren't there? They're missing. They were just there and now they're not. Yeah. And Sir Garrett, he's... To describe him, his what? Garrett, he, who is not lost, a sir. He's lost two ears, three toes, and a, the little finger on his left hand. Presumably from frostbite. And then... He says it was the cold that killed these wildlings and goes on about how the cold burns like fire. But when you're actually freezing to death, it's it's peaceful. It's like sinking into a sea of warm milk. Okay. Of course, uh, that, well, he describes freezing to death and all that, but it's sort of like it seems like there's an undertone that there's some other thing going on. That we don't know yet. I guess we never really learn. Sarah might know whether or not we learn. And, and they Garrett take says note that, that there's something wrong, and he says, "Can you feel it? Listen to the darkness." And they noted that when they set out ranging, the ice wall yeah. was weeping. That means it was a relatively warm day, and. The outer ice layer was, of ice was melting a bit. Yeah. It should not be a time when people are freezing to death. Yes, it would be cold. It wouldn't be that cold. Something is up. So. 
That's when they discover that the bodies are gone completely. And... This is the point when... They see an other. Um, in the show, they're more often called White Walkers. And it's described as um, tall it was and gaunt and hard as old bones with flesh pale as milk. Its armor seemed to change color as it moved. Here it was white as new fallen snow, there black as shadow, everywhere dappled with the deep gray green of the trees. The patterns ran like moonlight on water with every step it took. So, uh, so, so what do you get from that, Sarah? What do you get the most important thing about that? Well, for one thing, it's armor. They have... Yeah, I'm glad you noticed that, too. They, they either have, have superior... Yes, and they have either superior technology or more likely magic. Um, well, well, well the, the way it describes it... The armor changing color like that, it's like various sci-fi things. In fact, if it blended in better, you could say it's very similar to Predator. <laughs> if you've ever and seen it's either that. it's it's either a cloaking camouflage or totally transparent. Yeah, and it's it's taking on colors and you know, it's it seems to be like this super armor, basically. And I know the show portrayed them as looking like the show portrays blue, as... tried out, frozen Gandalf-looking type. Yeah, and they have like armor with like frost on them, but this is like weird armor. This is like, you know, like you know, if it were a D and D campaign, it would be like you know, really high level armor. That that's one of those things that I feel is really important, <laughs> and, and I find it interesting that the show didn't really do that thing. But anyway, go ahead. And this other has a long sword. Yeah, really long sword. That is, it looks like a shard of crystal, and it's got a faint blue shimmer. And um, Sir Waymar actually challenges it. The 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 other and. So yeah, Waymar comes across as kind of an arrogant, uh, snobby noble, but he's not a coward. He he challenges the other to a duel. Um, you might call that stupid, but yeah. Well, the thing is that, as you said, the point is not a coward. Actually, neither is Will. Um. Will doesn't really... He he sort of witnesses all that. But yeah, um, both of them seem... Yeah, Will is hugging fight. a tree while this goes on. But he, he didn't run. He fight at first, and then he hugged the tree when he saw like the cold stuff happening. Because there was cold stuff happening. Yeah, as Sarah said, Waymar is pretty much ignoring this. Like He, he gets angry, and Garrett... And, yeah, the the other sword 
goes right through Waymar's armor and kills him just very easily. It cuts right through the metal. Yeah. And also, Waymar's sword is shattered by um, the weapon the other is using, so it it cuts or breaks ordinary metal. That's yeah. It's some kind of super sword. Again, it's like, it's not just the fact that this guy is undead. It's the fact that he's, like, really good equipment. Really good sword. Really, really good armor. And, again, I, like, if it's I It's never quite thought, established that the others really are undead. They control undead. But. Yeah. But, well, what happens is then that's what happens. Is that, of course, um... It gets way more, it reanimates way more in the last And Will is just in... In a tree watching this happen. Well, the last sensation he feels, though. And. Tighten around his throat. Yeah, Waymar's reawakened. He's got blue eyes. Yeah, and he's actually standing over Will at the end of it. His hand tightens around his throat. And, you know, remarks, of course, on the fact that, you know, it's the finest mold skin. In gloves that he's being choked with. and but, but the gloves are freezing, so... And Will is dead. And well, at that point, yeah, at that point, there are no survivors. So. Garrett survived. He, no, he, he ran, ran away. away. That's the thing. And he'll, he'll come up again later. Um, that we know, but... And, uh... A point to note is, I don't think this is too gigantic a spoiler. So far, every prologue in this series that George R. R. has written, the character from the prologue has died. Yeah. Will was the first. Every prologue since then, the prologue point of view character dies at the end of it. Yep. So that's a thing that he's got going. Do you have any other uh, comments? Well, I always find I found it interesting the multiple point of view shifts. Like I said, I also found it interesting that it's very much portrayed as fantasy horror right off the bat. Like you don't get the. I mean, there's the whole Song of Ice and Fire, and that's where you get that. But the whole Game of Thrones, it's like, okay, what does that have to do with Thrones at first? It reads like something out of. Um, well, the the, 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 the the movie Fire and Ice, which is different. It's like a whole, but it's a whole thing where... I haven't seen it. Oh, well, you should. Um, it reads like horror fantasy, and it is. And it makes you, but again, you're at that point. So anyway. And then, of course, we go to the characters we all know and love with Tyrion, John, Catelyn, and... Uh, and of course all the others as well I'm about halfway through book e- one each chapter following a, a character and George halfway... does not number his chapters that's kind of annoying but no, it is... I, I, like I said that's common that he's not the only one to do that there are multiple authors that do that including uh, like Michael Crichton he does that a lot with his chapters. He doesn't usually, he doesn't, well, he won't always use names. He'll sometimes use, for example, in Jurassic Park, he'll have several chapters just called Tyrannosaur, and he'll have Sus or T-Rex or whatever, and 
he'll have several chapters going like sector something whatever like you know you, you have things like that so George R. R. Martin's not at all the only author to do that um so some people don't even title their chapters like even with numbers they'll just have uh, different things so yeah, I've seen most of... I've seen pretty much all of the um, series more than once. And I've read some of the book. I'm on the first book, so I'm still on the first book. And the main difference between how the series yeah, handled this and the book at this chapter is... In the series, it was Will who survived and ran. Yeah. And Garrod was killed. Yeah, in the book and, and Jon Snow well I, I'm gonna spoiler this I'm sorry Jon Snow has to execute Garrett in the book and uh no he doesn't that's he doesn't uh okay. that's uh, that's Ned that who does that's what I meant Ned sorry not John <laughs> it was it was John gets it later Ned Stark has to has to execute Garrett in the book and he executes Will in the show and either way, he has to execute them because they deserted. Because that's the penalty for deserting the Night's Watch. Somehow, it, it means a bit more when that uh, hardened veteran is too scared to... Yeah, whereas in HBO, they play it for like, oh, he executed that kid. Um, but I agree with Sarah that, like, you know, the hardened veteran is sort of a weird thing. And you could also see them overlooking that. and Because the whole point of this is... A large part of the plot is them overlooking this imminent threat. So, anyway, Sarah, I don't know if you have any closing words. Um, well, thank you for listening. We're going to be going over the entire series chapter by chapter, so stay tuned for more. And thank you for listening to Cast It Into the Fire.